No, no, who let that thing in here? Who brought that into the front bar? Can someone find out for me who's steering that ship? Ah, oh, look, let's get on with today's episode. It's 118. Uh, we're going to be joined very soon by Sean and Ryan from Wayward Brewing. Uh, it's a really great conversation, and there are eight great beers in the January Cool Room Pack uh, for you to enjoy while you listen to the episode. Uh, we encourage you to pause between the beers so that you can savour them and make the most of your tasting experience. All of those packs are sold out, so a huge thank you to all of our subscribers and to everyone else who's bought the January pack. Uh, it's a good reminder to uh, jump onto our socials and make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram so that you don't miss out when the February pack comes around. There's going to be some super exciting things in there and limited qualities and availability, so don't miss out and have sadness from not being part of the tastings. Um, we've also got a bonus show in February when St Barnabas uh, join us uh, from Belgium. I think there's only five of those tasting packs left. So again, Google uh, Cool Room Shopify and find our tasting packs in the Shopify. Uh, we've also got a live show on January the 23rd at the Flemington and Kensington Bowling Club in Melbourne. So if you're around for that, again, grab your tickets. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Three rounds of blind tasting based on the beers from the Gab's Hottest 100, which will be announced the day before and uh, free lawn bowls on what should be a really fun summer's afternoon in the Australian sun. Um, speaking of Australia, and by the uh, exemption, speaking about the rest of the world, if you're somewhere other than Australia and you're listening to the podcast, first of all, a big thank you for listening. It's been great to see numbers popping up all over the world uh, in, our, in our logs and data logs. We'd love to hear from you. And um, if you're interested in getting some packs of Australian beer, why not write to us at coolroompodcast at gmail.com and we'll see what we can do to hook you up with some of the beers from Australia. Uh, obviously, postage will vary on where you're uh, getting those beers sent to, but I'd love to work something out so that if you're in the US or Norway or Denmark, thank you to everyone from Denmark who's popped on lately, we'd love to have you listening in and being able to taste some great Australian beers at the same time. Okay, let's get underway with today's show. We're going to kick off with my good friend Travis Bristos, uh, introducing Ryan, introducing Sean, and uh, having some great conversations about Wayward's fantastic beers. We have Sean... How are Thank you, mate? Good. Thanks, Travis. How are you? Very, very well, my friend. Uh, it is a super sunny Melbourne evening, uh, which is different. We're talking to a brewery that's based in Australia rather than an international brewery. Like, seems to be the thing of like where we're uh, doing time delays and stuff. So it's we're all, we're all on the same page. Makes it much easier. I, uh, I can't handle the, these international time zones. Uh, I, the amount of meetings that I've been on uh, at, you know, two or four in the morning with my uh, some good American friends, and is it worth it? 
I'm not sure, is it? <laughs> um, why, why don't we kick off? We're going to start talking about the beers pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, give us a, a good little picture of the brewery. Uh, we have a lot of interstate and international listeners in the call room. Uh, they love to hear... Uh, of places they can't get to at the moment due to COVID. Uh, paint us a picture, my friend. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. So, Wayward Brewing Company is in Camperdown, uh, which is a uh, suburb of uh, Sydney, uh, Australia. Um, it's part of the, the, the craft, well, well, we like to call it a craft beer hub now of, of the inner west, which is uh, now probably about 10 or 12 breweries. Um all within walking distance, um, all kind of, I feel that every single brewery in that area has got something else to offer. So um, we were, you know, one of the, the, the first couple that, that opened up. Um, we, we opened up in 20, well, we opened the doors to the public in 2015. Uh, I, I started um, work in, in the building in 2014 uh, trying to get a, uh, trying to get a, a functioning brewery and, and, and tap room in a basically what was a car park and a paint storage warehouse by the looks of it. Um, and then uh, we, yeah, we, we, we started off with a, a four vessel 20 heck um, brewery. Uh, and then uh, with, with, I think we only had two 40 heck fermenters and a 20 heck fermenter. Uh, and um, yeah, the brewery is kind of semi underground. It's like half of it is like the brew house side is half above ground, half below ground, uh, and then the bar is actually underground. Uh, and and part of the the sitting area down there is uh, is an, is actually sitting in old wine tanks. So they're old concrete with wax lined walls, and you you kind of can meander down through them. And it's it's an atmosphere in there that um, you know. You can't really build. It was it was there when we got there. We didn't have to knock any walls out. It was it was there being used to someone's office. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a, a great um, great little spot. We started off with just the the, the bar and the brewery, two units, um, and then as time's gone on, we've now taken um, all eight units in the laneway. So with a, a, a separate power room. Um, a production like uh, packaging area and then storage and, and offices down the end. Uh, so, yeah, the, the tap room is got is 24 taps. Um, we, you know, we can never keep 24 taps of our beer on. Um, so we, we kind of keep our core range, our seasonals. Um, you know, we have a really nice 300-litre pilot um, system uh, and then, we keep a lot of beers on of, of our favourite breweries from either you know the inner west or or further abroad if we can if we can get them. That's an interesting point. Um, while we're talking about it, do you, do you find you uh, you end up with beers on tap from other breweries within the little hub that you guys have got there? Do you share the love? Yeah, of it? yeah, no, that's, and it's something that we we set out from day one. Like we we knew that we were never going to be able to keep keep that many beers on, um, and yeah. Like anyone that, that brews, you know, we, we love drinking our own beer, but um, we also love drinking and, and trying other people's beers. Like for me, myself, like drinking our beer, yeah, I love it. And it, and it kind of, you know, it's a, it's a great feeling to, to try your own beers. But um, the last thing you want to do is have something that you're going to be hypercritical of day in, day out. You know, you, I want to sit down and enjoy a beer. So, um, and, that, and that's kind of as the same for us, you know, we, 
we're pretty lucky in this country. We've got so many great breweries and so many great beers. Um, and, you know, we, we know that our staff in, in the bar and our management down there, they, they, they choose some really cracking beers. So, um, and it helps us form relationships as well. You know, we, we, we can, you know, line up collaborations and work together on different things and, um, and, and yeah, so it, it's, yeah, it definitely a, a nice thing to do. Um, something that sometimes is a bit hard for other breweries because they don't, um, have the right kind of license to be able to sell other breweries products. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, it definitely, definitely we're lucky in, hey, sure. in, in our, in our licenses. So, yeah. Sean, has there been a, a particular banger that you've had on recently that you've been really impressed with? Is there a beer that you've, that's kind of caught your attention that you've got on your taps? Um, from another brewery, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll talk a lot about yours. Don't worry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I'm just trying to think of what we've had on there recently. The, what do we have? The guys that we had in there recently... Like we had this this beer and it hasn't gone on tap yet. Um, I saw the cake because I'm a huge fan of um, New England Brewery from up in Armadale Way. They do all cake conditioned stuff, um, and they've got this beer. I think it's called Brad B or something like that. Anyway, that is coming up on our tap soon. Uh, that's you know that's the most recent one I've tried because I've just been. Um, basically just drinking seltzer for the summer because that's... Uh... Oh, now yeah, hold, hold on there, Sean. It's a bit early yeah, it's, in the it's, podcast it's, it's early in talking the podcast about salsas. Like, come on, like, e- I easy. I'm we're just gonna, saying that... We're going to ease into this this sort of stuff. Yeah. Like, we haven't even got onto the beers yet. Yes, sorry. I shouldn't have mentioned the S word. Um, <laughs> I'm actually surprised we got a scoop about something you're about to put on tap before we've ever been talking about your beers. Um, <laughs> quickly, before we get onto the Pilsner, which is the first beer we're trying tonight, give us a really quick insight. Tell us how you met Peter. Um, tell us how the Wayward story began, because I think that will give us a really good insight into trying the beers. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, like I started my, my brewing, um, career down in Wollongong and that's where I live and that's where I am. I am now. Um, I was working for, um, like I could tell you the long story, but the, the, the shortest version is I, my first job was in the brewery. I was 16. Um, I was working in the kitchen, washing dishes. And then I just kind of hung around, went to uni, came back, hung around a bit more. Um, and then, uh, the brewery was called Five Islands at that stage, which then became Illawarra. Um, and, and Andrew Gow, who was the head brewer of Mornington when they first started up, who is now the head brewer of Mornington technically again. Um, and he was the head brewer. Um, and then him, um, me and Asher Hall. So Asher is the head brewer of Stomping Grounds. So I'm sure you guys, um, pretty, you would know him. Um, we were working together, so me and Ash were just cleaning kegs for, for AG, and um, and then AG got the offer for Mornington, and then left within six weeks of us starting. So he said it's going to be way easier if I just give you guys the, the brew jobs. Um, we were both at uni doing just weird stuff, like I did politics, Ash did like environmental engineering or some shit, and 
yeah, and then then we started brewing a lot of um, you know our own beers and, and a lot of contract beers, and then that's basically how I met Pete. So Pete had the Wayward brand um, and been going for a few years, but with just pushing one beer, basically, oh, two beers, which was like the India Red Ale and then his yeah. Keller beer. Um, and then did that for a few years, brewed heaps of it. Um, and then Pete just said to me one day, like, I want you to come work with me. I found a site. Come, come see it. I'll sign the lease if you sign the, the employment contract. So, um I went to the site where Wayward is and saw the site and I'm like, yeah, let's go. Um, and so and that's how I met Pete. Um, and so, yeah, Pete was, Pete was a home brewer, um, you know, brewed in the kitchen as a, you know, and his wife just wanted him out of there. You know, he was an <laughs> IT background, um, <laughs> IT background and, you know, uh, just, you know, it was just him, him and a vet at home. So he just started brewing and, and yeah got a, a few mates together, put some money in, and then and that that's how we got to Wayward right now. We uh, we we have a, quite a few home brewers that uh, listen to the podcast and come into the Zoom room with us, and and yep. uh, the ones that have got partners probably think the exact same thing. They just want mm. them out of the kitchen. Yeah, um, and that, yeah. that's all it was. And and kind of in the early days while we were building Wayward, I was kind of packaging beer out of uh, Pete's kitchen, and I could see. It was like there was two shelves in the kind of warehousey kitchen thing that they had, and you know one was all pots and pans and plates, and then the other one was like homebrew fermenters, every little, every little gadget that you could have imagined from you know two thousand and two thousand and ten to two thousand and fourteen. It was all there, um, and then yeah, he uh, yeah just got forced out. But yeah, Pete Peter's a great brewer and he's a great recipe writer. Um, he doesn't do it at all anymore and, and something that I, I know that he wants to, to get his hands back on. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a different business uh, than what we first started up. So, uh, I think he's been, you know, not pushed out, but, uh, you know, things have moved along a little bit for him. Um, yeah, but yeah he's, uh, yeah, def- definitely a, a great boss to work for just because, um, he gives us a lot of creative freedom and, and you know, has has steered the, the, the company to a, a great position that we can now, you know, um, you know, release beers as much as we want and, and, and keep growing the, the, the bar and the production side of it. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's how, that's not me, uh, <laughs> steered the ship. That, that's it. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. That's the way that's And, oh, and yeah, and big shout out. To, to Pete, if he listens to the podcast after we uh, we put this up, um, we are we're going to kick off talking about the Pilsner because I think this is the perfect beer to start on tonight. Um, yeah, since we're we're kicking off with the Pilsner, give us an insight. Um, describe what you think makes a, a, a Pilsner and and it, tell us about this beer. Yeah, so um, we we did a a bit of a rework on a lot of our recipes um, when we went into the um, packaged, like the, the canned packaged um, world a couple of years ago. Um, for, for like, for my taste, like I like Pilsner's to be, you know, pretty malt forward. You, you want to taste the ingredients that are in there. It's not, it's not a lager, which is, you know, a base malt uh, with Czech sars and, 
uh, or you know, or a, a cheaper Australian hop that is there just for spice and and and, and some light, you know, citrus notes. It, it's something that you know you really want to be be tasting. So, um, like a nice clean ferment profile. The um, the hops, you know. A, a classic Pilsner, you, you should be able to taste some like herbality, or her, I call it herbality if that, that's even a word. I've probably you know told everyone that I've ever brewed with you know the new words that I've made up. I am um, writing down hashtag herbality. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that you know it's it's something that uh, you know it, you shouldn't. It, it's just clean. I think that's the, the main thing. You, yeah. you just want the, 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 you want to be tasty ingredients but you don't want there to be anything else to hide behind like the, you know low bitterness um if you can if you can drop as much yeast out of it you know i, I don't really love like a, a yeast flavoring um lagers i think you know shara's lager in its original form was you know it had a moment in time uh and it always had a great like yeast flavor to it but i think that now um you know, it's it's just about the clean cleanliness and and um, yeah, each of the building blocks of these beers is what is what makes it um, so strong and unique to just a straight up lager. Yeah, it's um yeah, it's a cracking beer. It's really good. Um, this might be a, a question for our friend Ryan, who's also in the the Zoom room tonight. Um, how how popular is this beer in terms of sales, and and do you think that Australian drinkers, given the resurgence of of this style of beer, which we'll get to in a second, um, uh, are we all getting closer to being open to drinking pills and lagers? Do you reckon? I think yeah. I think uh, look in, in our portfolio, it's it's probably um, a little bit underrepresented, but it's um, it's starting to grow. Lager is no longer a dirty word in the uh, in the trade, so it's um, yeah, it's it's there's you know I've got there's permanent taps on coming out there. There's 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 people who only stock the lagers and uh, the, the pilsner. So it's um it's uh, there's there's a, a taste for it. And it's it's we're seeing it starting to grow, and I think a lot of that is with that wanting that clean clean uh, sort of crisp um, sort of finish. You just want that. It's almost, yeah, it's just clean and crisp, I think is the best word, and that herbality. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that also this, um, when we were building this beer, the um, what was quite, kind of unique to it was that I didn't want to, like I didn't really want a, you know, a classic old world European hop character to it. I, I was, we had um, a couple of, rules that were we were working you know the three of us were working together and one of them said like don't don't make this beer the beer that you know every single person is going to absolutely love because that's not what we want to do at Wayward. that's not what our brand is about and that's not why we build a brewery together but the reason like w- there has to be something that that sets it apart and so we went through a bunch of hops and we ended up brewing this with a single hop Vic secret and it's the only hop that's in it. Um, it's bitted with it. Um, there's a, a pretty solid whirlpool edition and then a really light, um, 
dry hop of it. Um, and then we ferment it pretty, it's fermented at about 14 to 16 degrees, but we ferment it under pressure. Um, one of our brewers um, studied at VLB um, in, uh, in Germany, and it was something that we were bouncing around, but he said that, you know, a, a pressure ferment on a lager, will, like it just reduces the ester production if you're trying to, you know, create a, a beer, a lager beer without the, you know, the big ester profile of fermenting it a little bit warmer. We don't have time to always ferment beers as, as cool as what we want them to. Um, but fermenting under pressure means that we can, you know, reduce those, those warmer ferment characters and, and, and still still like achieve that Christmas that we want in, in this kind of in the base beer. Um, and, and, and the beauty of Vic's secret is that, yes, it's a, it is a, a little bit light on the, uh, on the citrus side of the hop, but it also has got a nice kind of old world herbality. Um, so I know that's our buzzword tonight, um, but it, it does, it, it is really quite, um, a, a nice hop to be in there with. Was, um, did you trial any other hops or was that like, did you go through a process where there are other yeah. hops that may have made the cut that didn't? Yeah. Like I have always loved using Styrian Goldings. Like I use that a lot in, um, the last brewery, like at Illawarra in a couple of our beers. Um, we also tried a couple of New Zealand hops, like Halatau Pacifica we used to use a bit and we tried them. We also tried Waiiti, which is a, a nice New Zealand hop, but I, I don't know. We, we went through a lot of pilot batches and the, the one with Vic secret, it just kind of made sense. It was quite, um, you know, having an Australian twist on it, on a Pilsner is a a kind of a a nice thing and a a nice thing to produce to, um, or to present to a customer or a, you know, a, a, you know, over a bar. It's just something a bit, it's just something a bit different. Did you ever think about marketing this as an Australian pilsner? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I think that there's reasons. There's reasons for everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I definitely. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it, if it would make me want to buy an Australian pilsner if it, if I saw it there. Maybe it would. It's it's an interesting conundrum. How does it go on tap in the in the venue? Well, it's basically our only lager that we have most of the time. Um, uh, we, like we we do uh, dabble um, outside of it, but yeah, it is the only lager. So people who walk to a bar and ask for a lager, you know, it it, it does it does it well and it does hold up quite nicely, um, and you know, extremely sessionable, obviously. So. Oh, yeah, it does. It does. It, it holds its own in there. Can, can yeah, I just ask about the colour, perhaps? Because it's normally we sort of ask brewers to take us on a, a little bit of a journey in terms of colour and aroma and flavour. This one's yeah. probably got a darker colour to it than I than I would have automatically expected out of the blocks for a, yeah. for a Pilsner, which I guess is why we yeah. didn't ask the question to begin with. Um, I think we were talking about this today, um, about the color of the Australian base malts that we're getting at the moment. I don't know what it is, but so we use Barrett Burston, um, pale malt as our base malt in all of our beers, just because it used to be the lightest. Um, 
and it, you know a great building block for um, extract and uh, you know and and for color building if you needed to. But I think that the, the color is is definitely creeping up in the last six to eight months. Um, I've even like in the low viz, I actually changed um, half of the base malt to a, a lighter international base malt because I couldn't get the color down low enough. So um, I think that's part of the reason we use um, uh, we use Simpsons Medium Crystal as our um, you know our flavor malt for for this beer. Like I only use Simpsons for crystals and caramels um, because I think that the English do those those malts better than anyone. Um, they just taste better, I think. Um, but yeah, it's not a, a super large amount, and 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 literally, I think that it's probably. I think there's you know five kilos of of. Um, of medium crystal malt and then the rest of the base malt is just, uh, yeah, it's just all pale and, and that's the recipe of, of this beer. It's, you know, pretty pretty straightforward and there isn't that much to be able to lift that colour. But, yeah, I think that um, I think that that's one of the reasons. I have seen it creep, definitely, that that, that base malt colour is coming up for sure. Does that yeah, nice. Does, does that, you know, not saying it should, but does that worry you? Do you think it needs to be a particular colour for style or do you get, so. as long as it tastes good, are you happy? Yeah, exactly right. I think as long as it's not blowing out spec too much, um, I think that, you know, you, you you pay attention, but I think that, um, yeah, I am, like, yeah, it tastes good. The, the flavour doesn't really change with the colour so much, so I'm just, that's basically what I'm saying. Um so yeah, we, we try to try to hit the, the hit, hit the mark, but if we can't, um, with with things like base malt color swinging around, it's it's not such a such a problem for it. Yeah. Um, we are going to move on to our next beer very soon, uh, and I'll hand over to Warren or David for that. But before we do, uh, last question on the on the pills. Uh, we touched briefly earlier on the fact there's been a bit of a resurgence uh, in relation to pilsners and, and lagers in Australia of late. Uh, what are, if any, the uh, overseas pilsners that inspired you to make this one? Or uh, in Australia, for that matter. Yeah. Um, I think that, like, the... I don't know, like Pilsner Urkel is always something, you know, outside of the, the realm of it, like, you know, I, it's not exactly the, the style, uh, but I think that a clean and, and well-presented and consistent Pilsner is the best Pilsner you're going to get. It's, it's, it's more about the, the water profiles of these, these places. Um, and I think that, uh, I just, I don't know. I, I to be honest, I don't drink too much of the international stuff um, because I, I drink just. This is my my beer that I keep in the fridge at home, um, and and it's the beer that you know. As I said, being critical is the one that I'm the most critical of when I have it here. So I love to get it right. And um, last year it picked up um, a nice shiny gold for uh, at the AIBA. So. Yeah, it was kind of a beer that you know. Sometimes 
um, like different people in the company will hammer a beer saying, you know, let's, let's get rid of it or, you know, it's, it's not holding itself up where it should be as with the rest of the range. And then it, it comes along and does, does really well at the AIBAs or something like that. It's, you know, that's not what I make it for, but it's, it, it gives yourself the, the knowledge that, you know, you've, you've written the recipe right. And when it's on it, you know, it's amongst the best that, that it could be. So, um, yeah, I, I really, like my go-to beer outside of the craft world is too is new because I don't think that you can really go past something that's fermented a little bit too warm that tastes that clean. Um, and also the Lady Hampshire is a, a, you know, a bit of a, a shitty pub across the road. I think it shut down actually now um, at, at Wayward there. Um, but, you know, you always know that Tui's new line is going to be clean because it's the highest <laughs> yeah. volume mover. So that, that's my tactical That's my tactical drink. I, I genuinely <laughs> um, thought that Lady Hampshire must be a euphemism for something. But it's just <laughs> the name of the... There's, no, there's plenty that, of other... That's a pub, isn't it? It's, it yeah. <laughs> And I'm I'm pretty sure that it's it's gone the way of the Maori Chief here in Melbourne though yeah, throughout right. COVID it got it's closed up yeah yeah it, yeah the uh, yeah I think uh, yeah unfortunately yeah it it, it met a, a a brief and uh... untimely death oh I think we might have lost Sean there. I thought we were teetering on the edge there for a little bit. We, we were, but Sean Travis, is... Travis, you can you can just fill this little bit. I can. Um, <laughs> the the Lady Hampshire up there is very similar to uh, to our very own Maori Chief in South Melbourne, uh, which today had a truck parked out the front of it with uh, them loading all their tables and chairs on the oh, really? roof. And uh, and as of about three o'clock this afternoon, the Maori Chief pretty much no longer exists due to COVID. Uh, just is that bring... a permanent, I'm not being smart. Is that a permanent thing? That's very disappointing news. Uh, until they until they find a new buyer, um, that someone that can take over the the, the, the building itself, uh, it is, uh, yeah, doors closed at the Mary Chief. Yeah. Yep. Very hard to keep a pub running at the moment. No, yes, I could bore you with that so. story for a long time. So, but the good news uh, is... There you go, Sean is back. Exactly. And that's probably, now that Sean's dropped off and come back, it's probably a good time to move on to our second beer. Um, otherwise, we're going to get into uh, an endless discussion of all the pubs that have closed down during COVID, and, and no one wants to be that depressing uh, uh, in the cool. pool room. Um, so I'm going to hand the reins over to... Yeah, um, me. I'll take it. Oh, there you go. I was actually going to go. like, I was gonna flip a coin to figure out who was going to take this one. Oh, that would have uh, been fun. That was that was easy. Warren, Warren put his hand up. So, um, Warren, uh, over to you, my friend. Yeah, I thought a good idea before we kick off into the Passionista uh, discussion itself is just to talk about them in general. So we've also got the Raspberry Berliner in in our pack, which is which is pretty awesome. Um, there seems to be a little bit of a theme of of like sessionable. Uh, ABV, not crazy high kind of beers um, and and stuff like, uh, particularly in your core range, like lower lower alcohol refreshing beers. Is that a is that a deliberate thing? What what's the thought behind that, or, or is that just how it's come to be? Um, yeah, it, we definitely wanted our core range to be as as approachable as we could 
uh, make it. Um, the, the core range for us was always something that was, um, you know, you could have a few, uh, and, you know, not, um, you know, not fall out in the lane or out the front of the brewery. So we wanted that, that core range to be, you know, pretty straight up 4.2 is, you know, at least two of the beers and then two of the other, like the, the Bellina and the mid haze, um, under 3.8. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't like, we're not, we're not trying to, 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 to not give people alcohol, <laughs> but, but it was, it was just, it was just something that we thought, you know, for core range, let's keep, let's keep it, you know, let's keep it on the low side and, and, and make it affordable for people on the other side of the, the counter as well. As soon as we start jamming the, the alcohol up too much, um, you know, it just gets passed on too hard. And, and I, I feel that sometimes that for a core range that you, you know, unless you, you know, you're out there trying to drink something special and that you want to, you know, have a few of uh, of the, the bigger stuff and the, the more expensive stuff, I think they kind of work together as a, an ingredient and an alcohol um, working hand in hand. But, yeah, it was – it just kind of worked out that way in the end, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, just a quick question from uh, Jenna in in the chat. Um, the Why isn't the Raspberry Berliner no longer called the Sourpuss? Um, it was, well, it was when, it was the move to Cairns um, that we wanted to bring, pull in all of our beer names into just the, the base style that they uh, they were. So, um, you know, Otis got moved to, to IPA, Southwest got called Raspberry Bellina, the Keller, you know, got a complete rework and became Pilsner. So, um, yeah, that was, that was the reason. Um, yeah, that's, Does anyone still call it Sourpuss apart from Jenna? Um, no, everyone in the company basically still calls it Sourpuss. Um, um, you know, that's, it's what's written in our recipes and, and, and everything else. Cause it just hasn't changed. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, definitely a moment in time. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, how do you decide, uh, the flavors for your fruit beers? Like what make, yeah, what what's your inspiration? Do you just kind of go out there and say, "Oh, that would be cool," and throw it in? Is there is there um, a particular formula? Yeah, so for me, I, I try not to put too many too many like sweet fruits in our our fruit beers, just because I I fear for the day of putting something that might have a, a nice shelf, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Coming back to life, um, yeah, yeah. secondary yeah. fermentation type of something, something along those peanut lines. butter and jelly, for instance. Yeah, something like that. I like, and and the, the fruits that I I love to choose are the ones that are already kind of got a, a pretty reasonable amount of acidity in them. Anyway, a lower amount of, of of fermentable sugars, but also a bunch of flavor as well. So the raspberry. Um, you know, if you eat a raspberry, there's not much to them. It's basically all, all pith and seeds inside of them. Um, there's a little bit of juice, but um, mostly it's just a you know a, a already a kind of a tart, tart, fleshy um, fruit. So that's why that's why raspberry works so well. 
it was always one that, because it was our first beer that got picked up by um, um, Woolworth. So it was always for me, um, you know, a pretty safe fruit to be adding. I never really wanted to do like just flavor additions. Um, I'm not going to use the S word again, but um, we it was a, a deliberate um, deliberate fruit that was pretty shelf stable, and we you know to to, for now, um, we haven't really seen any um, secondary because it there is basically no sugar in in it. Um, we've done yeah the passion fruit was um, you know it's it is sweet but it's you know definitely already quite tart. Um, mm. And then yuzu is um, it's a like we use a concentrate that we get from a, a Japanese. Um, uh, a wholesale company. Um, in, Sean, I might I might just interrupt there. Did you want to tell us what a yuzu is for the people at home who, who are not sure? Yeah, it's a it's a really zesty kind of. It's it's more. It's like a it's like a grapefruit on steroids, but more mm. acidic. But a, a Japanese fruit. We we do have an industry in Australia of growing them, but it's too small. Yeah. Um, but to make um, beers this uh, in, in this type of volume, um, but the the concentrate that we get is really quite good, um, and uh, it just comes in like two little two liter goon bags. That uh, I used to just get it from a, a really uh, a nice restaurant that I, my friend owned down here in Wollongong, and he would just you know, just share it around a bit, but as things grow, you know, we have to source it ourselves. But the it just added, it was originally just, you know, a passion fruit Bellina, but it, the passion fruit was, you know, a little bit one-dimensional for me in the sense that it was just, I don't know, it was just passion fruit. It needed something to take, push it over the edge there. So the yuzu is something that really just gives it a nice little kick and, and also a nice little... um uh, I don't know. It, you can taste yuzu. It doesn't yuzu doesn't taste like anything else. It doesn't taste like lemons or limes or grapefruits or anything like that. It, it's definitely a flavour that cuts through, no matter how much acid is in a beer, um, and also uh, whatever is around it. And you don't have to use much either. Yep, yep. That's cool. That's really cool. All right, so so given that given that, what what's the scoop on what's coming out next? Have you got some ideas for some future projects with 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 fruit uh, berliners? Yeah, um, so I'm sure that someone will say that I can't say this, but our next fruit that we're bringing out is a um, is a pineapple juice. Oh, um, uh, fla- like fruited one with a little bit more alcohol on the back of it. Um, we, we were up at Sea Legs um, in Brisbane uh, for Gabs last year, and they had the most incredible um, pineapple. I think it was a pale ale. Um, and I just thought to myself that I needed to use it as a um, as a as a sour kind of a sour sour flavour for for one of our releases. So. Yeah, it was quite hard sourcing that much um, pineapple juice. But again, we've used pineapple in, in um, beers before, um, and as much as it is, it is a little bit sweet. It is all 
it is quite a tart fruit as well as, yeah. as, as its essence. And, and, and when it ferments that sugar away, there's a lot of pineapple flavor left in pineapple. Um, I think it's all about, you know, the quality of the, the fruit that you're sourcing as well. Um, the, uh, we have a, a great supply that a lot of breweries now use in Sydney, and they also um, supply to um, Melbourne breweries as well. Um, and they, they're now making a, a shelf-stable pineapple juice from, from what I've been told is locally sourced um, pineapple. So uh, we'll, we'll see what that's like. I've got, yeah, that's awesome. I've got samples in my fridge at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's it, like in terms of the, the fruit that we use, we, we like to use seasonal fruit if we can, but mm-hmm. um, a lot of the times at the volumes that we're making these beers now, like, and it's not huge volumes. It might be like 12,000 litres for a release, but um, it does start to, to hurt either the suppliers that we're trying to source this juice from or, yep. um, or uh, yeah, it, it just becomes a little bit too much to handle. Yep, yep. That's, that's pretty amazing. That's awesome. Uh, <clears throat> going on to more, I suppose, just, just your journey. Was this a style that you, you made when like back in the day when you uh, first started brewing, did you, yeah, did you imagine that you'd be making fruited sours? Well, I did. I didn't think I was going to be a brewer, first of all. Um, <laughs> it was something like, you know, my... If I was my a politics predict- major, you would have been aiming for, you yeah. know, yeah, all sorts of better things. You'd never grow a beard for instance, it, it never, politics. Yeah. It was kind of one of those things that I really wanted to make a lot of friends, I think, as I was growing up. So politics wasn't making me any, so... The, it's like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. um, but, yeah, the, the, the politics, uh, uh, yeah, it was like the the beers that we were brewing at Illawarra and, and what I like brewing now, it, it definitely has changed. Fruited sours was not part of the, the thing. Like, I, I'm not – like, I'm 34 now. I've been brewing professionally in craft breweries since 2000 and. 2008, I think. Um, no, it was it earlier than that? No, yeah, 2008 because 2022 now. Yeah, so yeah, I've and and when I, I first started brewing, the only beer that me and Asher could sell to any pub in Sydney, and literally there was under ten pubs in Sydney that would put a craft beer on because everyone was contracted up to the eyeballs. Yeah. Was um was like Belgian wheat beers. <laughs> Um, because you know the the as what my dad still refers to as boutique or boutique, um, <laughs> these were just in, was was Hogarden that was imported, and also um, well that was pretty much it. Um, you know Corona Peroni, um, Grolsch. You know they were the beers that we were fighting t- for tap space for, and yeah, Belgian wheat beers were the only things that we could we could sell. So we. Like Belgian wheat beers are my favourite style of of beer to drink. I I love how expressive those yeasts can be and how clean they can also be at the same time. Um, and I still don't know whether I've brewed the best Belgian wheat beer that I I can. Well, I know that I haven't. Um, but you know we're. Will Way would ever release a Belgian wheat beer on one of its monthly uh, seasonal releases? Well, the answer is probably no, because I don't think 
um, anyone would buy them anymore. So, um, like in the early days, I, like I really loved brewing, um, you know, those old school, like English style IPAs. I really loved drinking. One of our sales reps, Callahan gave me, gave me this speaking of old school, uh, styles. This is road town brewery from South Australia. We uh, had Loophole on the other day who spoke a lot about Robe and Robetown Brewery. Yeah. This is as old school as you can get. It was, it's a wood-fired brewery. Like, it is, that was, you know, there's not much hop character or anything like that. It's um, just a good straight-up beer. But, it like, those are the beers that I, I used to love brewing. Um, and... But, you know, as time goes on, the palate changes and, uh, you know, I still, like, I love brewing Raspberry Bellino. Um, it was kind of the first beer that I looked at Pete's um, homebrew recipe and said, how the hell are we going to make that in in this brewery? Um, and, and luckily for us, we had a four-vessel brewery and I'd never used a four-vessel brewery before, just coming from a two-vessel. And so we, what we did was we used what was the mash tun. So we had a separate mash water. We used the mash tun as a souring vessel. So we just put a, um, basically a pool pump in the jacket to maintain 38 degrees um, for the lacto. Um, and, and yeah, and the, that's how we, we got uh, the, the raspberry Bellina um, brewed and, and, and at the scale that we are now. So the, um, yeah, I yeah, like the old school styles that I, I do miss are, you know, are, are definitely still hanging around, and we do definitely pilot them. But um, you know, I, I love what we brew now, and I love hazy beers and and, and sour beers, um, and yeah, it is it is nice to reminisce about brewing in two thousand and four or two thousand and five, whenever it was, or two thousand and 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 to see to see that we've gone from six six pubs in Sydney to six hundred that will take our beers. Um, it's it's definitely a, a nice journey to be uh, you know flying by the seat of my pants on. That's for sure. Um, while we're while we're walking down memory lane, uh, one of our traditional cool room questions is: What's the, can you remember the first craft beer you ever had? And I suspect it, like a lot of us in the room, craft beer didn't exist when we started drinking beer. So. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember? So, like, funnily enough, like, when, because I, my first job was in a brewery, um, so that was 2003. So, yeah, I drank all of the Five Islands beers at that time. So, Tim Thomas was the head brewer there. He'd had a background in, like, one of the original, like, the original Lord Nelson breweries. Hmm. He, he kicked around a bit. Um, and he brewed some really great beers. So, like he had a like a really nice Hefeweizen called Snowboard that I remember being as one of my first um, craft beers that I drank. Um, but AG, like uh, from from now Mornington, he brought us a lot of like Matilda Bay before they got bought out, and mm-hmm. like I think even Pils- uh, not, um, Blue Tongue Pilsner was a you know, a very big go-to in, in yeah. his early early versions. Yep. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I, I, we did drink a lot of, like, Matilda Bay. Bee's Knees was, was one of yeah. my first ones as well. That was a freaking ripping beer. 
yeah, it's a shame that 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 went the way it did. Like I, yeah, one of my, I think one of mine was uh, when I was on the podcast. I said Redback. I'm back in. Yeah, Redback was. And, yeah. and the Nastine Reserve Lager that was brewed with Nelson Savin back in the day, like that. Those, those, those are some of like, yeah. <laughs> before real... anyone knew what it was. Yeah, yeah. before anyone knew what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, totally. Yeah, what, a, what a lovely beer that was. Um, oh. And so, yeah, they, they, they're, uh, they're definitely my first ones, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, other cool room question. I reckon, given that you've been working in, in breweries since 2003, you prob- I ho- I'm hoping that you've got a great answer for this. I'm pretty sure you might. Um, what is the most confronting, strange, amusing, weird, disgusting thing you've ever seen in a cool room? And, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be a cool room. It could be just the brewing environment itself or in a or in a hospitality yeah. environment yeah like some of the most disturbing stuff i could probably not i probably shouldn't talk about no um, you should totally talk you about totally it talk about it <laughs> you should absolutely just say it's about a venue just just say you heard a story about some other mythical brewery yeah, yeah. we can we can <laughs> beep out the name of the venue sean <laughs> exactly right oh i do remember walking downstairs um at at illawarra um into the middle of a um a a sealed magazine shoot in our cool room downstairs. <laughs> well, that wasn't where what? I expected that was going. I really <laughs> this is a, this is a whole new take on this question. I don't think we've ever had a uh, X-rated answer to this question. <laughs> well, <laughs> we did well, have we the moon dog when they were living naked in the brewery one. Oh yes, yeah, check true. out the archives for that story if you're listening in for the first time. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that story. That wasn't that long ago. <laughs> um, but, can, yeah, continue, was- Sean. Yeah, I, yeah, I, well, I just came, I was, I was working, um, yeah, I was like, I don't even think I was 18 at the time and I came downstairs and one of the doors was locked to get us down into that cool room downstairs there. This was early days and I've cracked open, well, I didn't even, I've cracked open the door and the cool room door was kind of, it was one of those doors that kind of like, if the cool room door is open, then you can't get in. It was like, it was a weird thing. Yeah. Anyway, so I pushed this door and like there was like a light stand there, and there was like like um, like smoke machine in there and stuff. That was pretty confronting to me because <laughs> I wasn't expecting it, and no one was talking about it upstairs. And that seems like a really good spot to have a little break and to hear from one of our friends. Hello there, it's Damien Gibson, former host of the podcast you're listening to right now. Fortunately, being an ex-podcast host is not my only credit anymore, as I have a new podcast called Agents of Narrative. It's an arts preview and review show where I play new songs and review the latest in films and TV shows. I also bring you long-form interviews with comedians, artists and musicians. Uh, That's Agents of Narrative, available for download and streaming on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back from our little break. Hopefully you enjoyed whatever ads we had in there. Uh, You're in the cool room. We're here for our second part of our tasting with Wayward. Uh, We're very lucky to have Sean, uh, the head brewer, and Ryan, who's an old friend and now the rep over there, talking to us about their amazing beers sold out in our Shopify. 
head over there now if you've not been there before just to see what other amazing things we have. And um, a quick reminder of our live tasting on Sunday uh, at the Bowls Club in Flemington. Uh, it's going to be a ripper. We haven't done a live event for a while. We're very much looking forward to having everyone back in the flesh for that one. Uh, it should be an excellent afternoon. What is also excellent are the hazy beers from Wayward. Uh, We're going to start talking about the mid-strength hazy, but if you're listening to this on the podcast, get yourself a second glass, get ready to pour the low-vis hazy next to it so that we can talk about both of them alongside each other. Um, Sean, can you just give us a little tasting tour around this beer? Talk to us about how it should look in the glass the aromas, and, yeah, uh, the taste. Um, yeah, so the, the Hazy Mid was, uh, yeah, the work of um, Matt and Brett, who were um, brewers. Uh, Brett's only left, a, you know, a week ago, and Matt went to Little Creatures uh, about 12, 18 months ago. Um, they were, they, they li- both lived within walking, like literally a block from, from the brewery um, and they had a thing called Thirsty Thursdays where uh, if they if Thirsty Thursdays was kicking off, I knew not to expect them on time on Friday morning. So <laughs> it was a, a beer that was, was built around them and, and hopefully they would fill themselves up um, enough that they would, you know, go home in time and, and make it to work. So we... Worked on the beer for a fair while. We we piloted it constantly for about six months, trying to get these malt combinations right, um, and then and then obviously the hot combinations, um, and the the hazy side of things kind of works when you're trying to make mid strengths because you know the haze and, and, and juice uh, that that work together so well. Uh, work really, really well with, with the mid-strength in, in the sense that a mid-strength beer with a bunch of body is a mid-strength beer that, you know, has, has been mashed really high and, and is really good at presenting hop. So um, what we did was uh, we've, we've slightly changed it um, in the last month just with, um, with struggles with logistics, getting liquid yeast here, but... We were originally using Omega um, British Five as our yeast on Hazy Mid, and had done since we started brewing it. And we we couldn't get um, the big pitches from Omega in the states. They're you know a, a stickler for the quality and, and getting yeast in its best condition to Australia. So they would literally just send us ten homebrew packs, and we would prop it up for um, yeah, for right. a few for a few days to get a 60 heck batch out of it. Um, but we just love that yeast and, and how that yeast is, um, how that yeast tasted and presented in the glass. So, um, yeah, super low attenuation on that, that yeast and, and always kind of left us with a haze that we were pretty happy with, um, uh, in the sense that, um, you know, it was, if there was any yeast hanging around, it wasn't a particularly harsh yeast flavour, um, but also, you know, dry hopping the living daylights out of it, um, it definitely helped it. Um, 
but still, we still needed it to be, a, you know, an approachable mid-strength beer for people who don't love hoppy, um, you know, well, super hot forward juicy beers. So um, it was kind of a, a mix of getting, you know, a kind of like a older West Coast um, uh, hop regime of Simcoe and Chinook, um, and then obviously just Citra because we put Citra into anything hazy. It just kind of worked. Um, and... And so, yeah, we, like I generally like to put, if I'm putting anything um, in the whirlpool for hazy beers, I always try and put an old school West Coast hop in it. So generally you could write a book. There will always be one old school West Coast um, hop in our hazies. So whether it's generally it's centennial um, in hazy beer, it doesn't say it on the can. I was just looking then, but like mm. we hazy mid it's got centennial as the only hop in the whirlpool and then the rest of the beers are the dry hops i'm sorry the rest of the hops are the dry hops um and then um and that kind of just lays a really nice base hop flavor that you can start then layering with um you know as much flavor and aroma as you want with for the rest of the hop hop build um so yeah simcoe is um a hop that we use quite a bit uh it's just got a really nice resinous flavor to it and and, and chinook as well they kind of work together really nicely citra is citra um we we tried tried it without citra there for a while but it just didn't didn't quite work and didn't quite um you know make cut the way that, that citra cuts so um in the glass um yeah it looks you know looks like a hazy beer and, and it's relatively shelf stable. Um, we also have this in, um, you know, Woolworths and I keep bringing up Woolworths because Woolworths is one of the, you know, uh, um, like we send our beers far and, and wide with Woolworths and, 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 you know, a lot of time out of cold storage as well. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they hold on uh, relatively well in like the old school, U.S. hops will hold better than the the, the the kind of the more new world hop varietals. So, you know, if you've got a, a warm stored version of Hazy Mid, you might get a bit more um, of the Chinook and Centennial cutting through. But if you get a nice, fresh, cold ship door-to-door, like what we um, pay for, um, you know, to all of our customers, um, you'll definitely, you know, get, get the whole bouquet of, of all four of those hops coming through. Um can I just check in on that front? Because it's yeah. funny, we were, we were talking to a brewery from Minnesota on the weekend and talking about the yeah. difficulties with logistics, both, you know, in hot temperatures and cold temperatures and so forth, yeah. and, and how much sort of thought and testing they put in. We, we haven't explored this a lot in the past, but how much testing do you do to find out what, what the beer is like after it's been on a shelf for, a you know, two weeks, a month, six weeks kind of thing? Like if if like because we've, we're lucky and we've got um, you know Ryan down there in Melbourne we've got um, yeah I've never heard anyone um, <laughs> say they're lucky to have a relationship with Ryan before it's a pity oh, he's not I, online I at the moment I, I haven't finished um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know we we have these guys that are um, and Dane as well up in Queensland um, but you know we have these guys that are out there. Uh, you know, as far well, we do have distributors in West Australia and Tasmania, and and like we have a lot of friends that you know 
we send our beer to um, and who we ask for, you know, genuinely honest feedback. And um, and if they see something that doesn't quite make sense or doesn't quite taste right, you know, we we you know pull them up on it. But you know, from from day one at Wayward, we've always had the biggest cool room that we can afford and the biggest cool room that will fit. You know, I think we our maths were that we needed to have one and a half turns of every single tank that we had in the brewery as cold storage. So in the early days, that meant that we needed to have, you know, cool room storage for 120 kegs because we weren't doing cases. Uh, and then as time gone, has gone on now at our size, I think we have, we have seven rows of four um, and they go three deep back. Anyway, so you, need, you need a buddy 11-year-old with a forklift to take care of all of that. <laughs> yeah. and, and not, so, to work, uh, not to work the political angle too much. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we have, we have our own cold storage. We also have another cold storage in a, um, at Botany as well. And then both of our interstate are all cold stored. Um, and we ship through all of our cold storage cold as well. We've never shipped ambient um, anything anywhere um you know we even set like our beers the wa and, and tasmania are all um cold under four degrees um door to door the only thing that that isn't um cold store is the s word drinks that we make as well well actually that's a great thing because i've been looking up the website tell us just a very quickly about them before we perhaps open up the lovies and have those other ones side by side but we don't obviously have any of them in the packs but yeah. what you should know about them what's yeah, that um, just quickly, um, yeah, the, I think the, the main thing about the seltzer is that, yeah, I, I tried White Claw a few years ago um, and I was like, this is shit hot and it needs to, <laughs> we need to make one. Um, and then it was like, yeah, the year before last and we were like, yeah, 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 nah, 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 yeah, 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 nah, nah, nah. Then we went into lockdown and then all of a sudden we were like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and we basically pulled together the, the W Seltzer brand um, in about three months, but I'd been piloting um, the, the Seltzer the whole time in the background. So um, the, the main things that we wanted was that... So how did that look? Was there just a tank out in the brewery somewhere and people go, what's that over there, Sean? And you go, you don't need to worry about that. Yeah, I, I have, well... I, like, I have my big pilot tanks, my 300-litre tanks, and then I have my serious pilot tanks, which are, like, 10 litres and 2 litres, um, which are basically just ferments and growlers and stuff like that. Because at that stage, there was no book on seltzer. Um, the book on seltzer came out two weeks after we launched W Seltzer um, by the Brewers Association. Um, and, and the difference was, and it still didn't make sense, is that the, the laws for creating a, a fermented base are different from in Australia than they are in the US. So, you know, we still need to have a majority cereal base and we use um, rice syrup as ours. Um, and so it was, the, the problem was getting it as, as high um, in alcohol as we wanted because we wanted our base to try and get up over 10 or 12 um, percent. And then we dilute um, carbon filter, sorry, we, we carbon filter, then dilute and then add our flavorings in. Um, but yeah, on a full fermented um, beer base um, as, as such. So yeah, it, it's like fifty-one percent 
um, or 50, it's like 53, 55% rice syrup and then the rest is all sugar. Uh, Sean, quick question for you. If it mm. wasn't for lockdown, yeah, would your, let's call it S, have come to fruition? Would it have been something that would have happened or is it... It was a good happened, project. Has it happened quicker due to lockdown? Like, is it something that was going to happen eventually anyway? Yeah, I think it kind of, like, it wasn't that we got bored. I think that it gave us kind of, like, we were looking for what we needed to be doing while we were locking down. Um, and um, W Seltzer was kind of the thing that we were like, all right, well, you know, it's something to look, we, like, we were looking forward to summer. As every brewery does, we always look forward to summer. That's where we make money. You know, that's, that's the... That's the two or three months of the year that we make money. Um, and so when we, when, when, um, when, like, when we thought to ourselves, okay, well, if this looks like it's going to end by summer, if we can get this out for October, we, you know, can give it a good nudge, put some proper marketing behind it and push it into all of our states um, as a package only product. Um, and then, you know, then we went through, you know, Faye is our marketing, like our head of marketing. She was just incredible. And, um, and she, yeah, she pulled it all together very, very quickly. And, and, and then over time, as we've gotten more people in the marketing, she did, she did it on her own, the whole thing. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of been able to evolve the brand a bit more and bring it, bring it a bit more in house because we were paying influencers. Um, incredible amounts of money is to sit on rooftops in their bikinis um, in you know the, mi- the middle of lockdown drinking W Seltzer. Can I say that's the easiest three dollars fifty I ever had to earn? It's um, <laughs> it seems to be a thing with the the S word though that Instagram and the S word go side by side. Um, yeah. I can't believe I'm encouraging this discussion and getting away from the beer. Do mm. you now have it on tap in the tap room? Yeah, and do you know what? It's it, um, it, like it hurts me to say, but it's our our highest selling skew in keg is um, our tropical mango mango seltzer. That was about to be my next question on where it sat in the realm of things within the tap room, and you just answered it. Um, it's incredible. Like what what it's, what what has done is it's it's evolved kind of the the alternative to beer on tap for the venues. So the um, what uh, what used to be a seltzer tap, which then became a Canadian Club and Dry tap. Oh, sorry, what was, it, what was the cider tap, which then was a Canadian Club and Dry tap, or whoever was you know the rep with the fastest mouth. Seltzer is now in in that in that tap, and and generally like it, it, it stays. Can, can, um, can, so let's let's just play the rep with the fastest mouth game. Yeah, yeah good call. And, um, yes. because, I, because I think we've got one in the room who, who would like to have a quick crack at that competition. Um, <laughs> G'day, right? And imagine, imagine I'm running a pub in West Melbourne um, yep. and we're basically dealing with a pre-footy crowd, occasionally a little bit of the old festival halls and whatever else. Um, give, us your, give us your 30-second spiel as I'm literally picking you up at most Tavern style to throw you at the front door as to why I should be putting the seltzer on. Oh, that's that bloody rough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you. You, uh, you know, I'm not going to give you much trouble. You know? Yeah. Okay. Look. Look. Um, our seltzers. Uh, oh, you're on the pitch. Um, look, David. It's got all the healthy numbers. Um, what you're going to find here is, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to, not to dog moon dog bears, but uh, fizzes are not really. Uh, 
uh, uh, uh, seltzer. It's more like an RTD people for uh, for people. I mean, who like uh, their bathrooms to smell like lollies. Um, but, <laughs> but look, I yeah, feel the seltzer off in the wind. Ninety nine calories, one less than one point four carbs. Um, it's gluten free. Um, you get a good flavour hit and, and and aroma um, straight up, but that dissipates quickly. There's no lingering uh, stuff there. And and the thing is, at at four point three percent, it's a it's a really easy drinker, perfect in uh, on. For, for your beer gardens, um, it's not going to steal. It's it steals in terms of from your your beer sales and your and your and your spirit sales. It's kind of sits in the middle, um, and it's forcing cider off tap. And if you want to find it in Melbourne on tap, you can go to Ascot Lot, Holmes Hall, Edie's, Edinburgh Castle, Charles Weston, Wesley Ann. You can go to. Um, Hang on, mate. This is the ABC. You can't do that. You, you, you can go to Baby Snakes and, and, and Footscray. I mean, it's it's. Literally kicking off hard. Um, Hopheads have got seltz, our seltzers on tap in, in, in two venues, so it's um, it's really kicking off. What's Baby oh, Snakes? Where's Baby Snakes? Baby Snakes is directly over the road from Mr. West and down the aisle, uh, down the alleyway there. That um, and it's oh, yeah. above that. I've seen a few down near the Maribyrnong, but not sort of you know <laughs> that far into the city. If you if you walk past um, the pizza place, I can't think of the name off the top of my head. You'll find it. Yeah, oh, Mr. West, the one opposite Mr. West, that pizza place. Yeah, the, the Brian, I was, nice I was a bit worried there, mate. You took a little bit of time to pick up speed, but I've got to say, you finished that spiel off beautifully. Once you once you'd got things going, mate, that was a that was a delight. That's actually one of the best reps in Melbourne. Can we get back onto the beer, please? Can we get back onto the pizza shop? Like, just no, let's get back onto the beer. I'm taking control. <laughs> Hopefully people have the second glass ready to rock and roll. They can open their low-vis hazy pale ale, pour that in. Um, first of all, I've got to give a huge shout-out to Ryan, and I think there's probably maybe three people in the call room community who didn't get this beer delivered because it took a lot of effort to get this one down to us, didn't it, Ryan? It was, um, it was, it was late off the packing line. It did, um, uh, and and huge shout out to um, to Sean, but um, mainly Fraser who, who managed our logistics. He um, he got that in an overnight courier, um, so much so that I thought that the uh, um, what they had been damaged to the cases, but it was condensation um, from the cold beers. They were still pretty much cold when they arrived, and the cardboard was all soggy. And I was like, oh fuck, we got broken. Excuse me, I can't say that, can I? Um, but yeah, it's um, you can't say broken. <laughs> but no, they're all good. Uh, well, mate, uh, genuinely a big thank you to you. It was lovely to come around and see you in your most inaccessible uh, location in Melbourne. I don't know how you live in that house. It seems to have bollards around it. I don't know what the city of Yarra is doing, but I don't want to get all political here. Let's talk about the Lovis. Sean, um, <laughs> obviously, take us on a similar journey, but talk to us about which hops are the same which hops are different and about, you know, how you get two hazies that, um, you yeah. know, similarities and differences. Yeah. So, you know, the, the low vis was, um, yeah, we, 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 like, I'll start with the, the yeast that we use. So like we, like the hazy meters, the Omega, um, the yeast, we tried this one with the, um, Lalamon Verdon, um, strain, um, I I don't know if you guys know the the, the brewery in the state called Green Cheeks at all. They have this 
they're these beautiful hazy IPAs that look it's nothing to do with their name but it, it goes for that, that almost whitey whitey green yellow color um in the glass um and we've just been foaming over those 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 beers on instagram for a while and 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 as i was talking about the, the base malt before we can't achieve that 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 color that they were getting with just the australian base malt so um we brewed um that blue beer from gabs last year um and we used um the german best heidelberg which is literally the lightest colored malt that you can get from you know without using table sugar or, or dextrose or whatever so um we got a bunch of that in and we did the best part of um you know 40 40 um percent of that in the base uh and then um wheat and oats as, as the remaining 10 um to try and keep it as light as possible um and and also get us a nice stable haze uh and then uh and then yeah and so that's how we ended up with that that color it's you know definitely lighter in in you know its purest form in the glass than hazy mead or i don't i'm pretty sure you guys have might have um sunshine juice in the pack as well yeah um but yeah we we really wanted it to be a super light looking in the glass um so you know it's it is that that pushing that that super whitey yellow um uh, color um and can, can I just cut in and say, even in the mouthfeel to me, this is yeah. genuinely pillowy. This has got that yeah. sort of rice bubbles, uh, mm. sort of big air in it in a, in a really yeah. positive yeah. way. Yeah, it's like uh, definitely, yeah, definitely light on the palate. So, um, so yeah, and so we kind of knew that that, that was a, a great base to go with to get the colour that we wanted. But, um, yeah, trying to get the, the hops... I'm at the end of a lot of my contracts for last year. So um, basically I had a friend who was brewing with us here who lives in Wollongong who used to work at Tribe and he was able to get me some Citra. <laughs> and so I picked it up in the Subaru and brought it into work so I could of get Of course it. you have a Subaru. Is yeah. it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... Uh, Is it a Forester, just out of interest? No, it's an XV actually. <laughs> oh, so he has a gone well. <laughs> um, and then, and then we used um, like yeah, the cashmere and Simcoe hops, which you know, like we don't cashmere. We, we have a beer that we release. We've released the last couple of years called Cashmere Cat, which is like uh, a single hop um, uh, cashmere beer, um, and it's it's lovely. It's just a lovely tropical note in in amongst you know, Citra and then, and then Simcoe as well. We actually used Simcoe, um, Lupamax on this, which is, you know, the, the Lupulin powder, um, ah. version of those hops. Well, that um, was sort of one of our questions is to, you know, can you tell us, you know, what it's like and how you learn to deal with those different ones? Yeah. So like, there's like the Lupulin 2, which was like the Yakima Chief, um, uh, they were the, the first, you know, hop uh, harvesters and, 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 and processors to try this, this lupulin powder experiment. Um, and, and basically, 
on the numbers on on paper, the alpha acids on them are basically double of what um, the, the normal pellet version of these hops are. So if you use it on the hot side, um, you're going to get incredible amounts of bitterness on it. Um, I, I should have brought this up before that all of our hazy beers, we have a, a cold liquor jacket on our Whirlpool. So what we do is when we, we don't put any hops in the kettle, we bring it into the Whirlpool, and as soon as it gets into the Whirlpool, we start putting cold liquor into the jacket. So we're able to bring it down to a temperature where the isomerization of those hops, so the uh, ability to be able to create bitterness is dropped to basically nothing. But you also have the, the benefits of having a hot contact on these hops um, that are going to produce what you would get if you were adding them to a, you know, a kettle or a whirlpool generally, but without any bitterness pickups. So Hazy Mid gets that every single time. You know, uh, Low Viz got that um, and Sunshine Juice. But what we're able to do is that, you know, with these big Citra Lupamaxes, um, uh, you know, Citra Lupamax is like 25 alpha acids, which is where a, a normal Citra is, you know, about 12, 13%. We throw it in um, at, at the same rate, but we don't pick up the, uh, the the bitterness and we just get a huge punch of this Citra Lupulin powder that you can't actually get in a dry hop. It's a different flavour altogether. I find that, um, yeah, the way with hazy beers, because we do that and because we can use Lupulin powder like that, I don't know of anyone else in Australia that is doing that in their, in their whirlpool. I could be 100% wrong, but... I don't know of anyone else that, that, that does it like that. Um, uh, sorry, but just perhaps one more question for me, and then I'm going to kick over to Travis for some room questions. But yeah. I've, it's been fascinating, I think, in the last few episodes that we've had here in the podcast to talk about hot side and cold side sort of, you mm. know, additions, um, yeah. which obviously has been part of the industry forever, but I've, it just feels like that's been terminology which has been used a lot yeah. right across the world with us in the yeah. last couple of episodes. Yeah. Um, Sorry. No, no, no. I think, I think, like, I think there's, there's definitely, um, yeah, as we're, as we're using more and more hops, you know, anyone can brew a pale ale or an IPA and just chuck 15 grams a liter in the dry hop. Um, and it's all going to taste the same. Uh, but as soon as you start adding these, these hops in, in different parts of, of the hot side and at different stages of your knockouts or whatever else, that's a whole different world of hop flavor that you can't just get from a dry hop. So, um, and utilization goes through the roof. You get more hop flavor from hot side additions. Um, and then, and then you, you can just top it up with, um, with, uh, you know, your dry hops. And can I guess, I guess my sort of my closing question would be, does that allow you to do more fun things with hazies? You know, we keep on hearing the hazy craze is going to finish soon and yet people mm. find new ways to make them fun. How mm. important is it to have new ways of adding hops or new techniques you can use in the brew just to sort of keep the, the style kicking over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it incre it, like incredibly important. Like I, I, I sometimes think to myself when, you know, um, you know, it comes down the line that we, we want to put another hazy out. I'm like, what is, what's next? Like there's only so many times we can blend citra with something in the dry hop um, before it gets boring. Um, so, you know, as, as we're looking kind of internationally to, 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 you know, 
to Germany and the European hop market um, to see what what they're bringing out and how we can you know use that to use their hops differently or um, you know the, the the whirlpool adjustment is a huge thing for us and we're always going to do it um, and and the new hop products you know I've seen sort of the, the liquid stuff that's coming out it's looking quite good and um, you know it's not it's not Citra and Mochoeca anymore it's um, citrus and resin now that and, and you know that's that's what you're putting in you know you you, you tip 100 mils of citrus and then 100 mils of resin and and that's that's hopping that's the future of hopping so you can you know if you don't want that that green chlorophyll flavor you don't have to have it if you if you just want to put it through in like break it down to those kind of building blocks that's cool that's yeah, something, yeah, very cool. Um, Sean, as we like to do in the call room before we finish the night, we like to throw our uh, questions open to some of the regular listeners in the room. And there's a couple of people that uh, had some questions to ask you. So yeah. I am going to throw the call room open to Muggs, who has question one. Then we have one more question from Jacob. There's probably time for one more question after that. So, Muggs, over to you, my friend. Thank you, Travis. Um, hi, Sean. How are you going? Um, uh, pretty simple question. I'm not sure it actually got covered. It's more to do with just where the name came from because I, oh. I just got a, a, you know, got a certain song stuck in my head, and I'm not sure <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I have no, like, I know that there was a, you know, the, the original owners had a big sit-down session on it. Um, there was, there was like, Pete's a big skier and there was, um, and he's from Canada, and there was, like, there was, like, a Blue Nose name that came out and it was, it was, um, that's what Wayward was originally going to be called. And then at some stage, like, Dave from Akasha and Pete, uh, best friends they you know both worked in IT and in similar circles and you know the original version of, of Wayward and um, Riverside was going to be one brewery altogether uh, they decided they had some other <laughs> differences uh, and but the what what came to be is um, yeah as Wayward I don't know I think it was you know I, don't know. I, I, I could give you the the, the the inspirational, you know, to, you know, finding the bit. What, what's what's our tagline, Ryan? It's like take the beer less travelled or something. It's fruit, there's, fruit, there's, yeah. Yeah. And thank <laughs> you, whoever chimed in there. Yeah, that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, yeah, there, there, I don't think there's a, a, a huge a huge connection to the to the uh, you know what. Well, I guess. I guess we kind of, you know, there's there's some beers that we do that are pretty cool uh, in in terms of you know trying to break ground and and try different things that we we think have never been done before. But um, yeah, I think that the, the name just kind of worked as as as, a, as what we opened with, and um, and and you know, and and hopefully most people remember it now. I think. Nice. Um. Uh, Jacob, you had a question as well, and then I think we'll probably start wrapping things up. Um, Jacob, before you fire on your question, um, 
congratulations from everyone in the call room on your wedding this week. Uh, awesome to much. see you, my friend. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. That was long overdue, so we're, we're, yeah. we're very happy. <laughs> Over to you, uh, mate. Okay. Um, so um, maybe on to a hot topic question, if you pardon the, pardon the pun, but pasteurisation. So on your opening beer, the, the pills, you note that it's not pasteurised, you know, to keep it in the fridge. And I'm wondering, you know, with that beer, what, what was the rationale there? And maybe more generally what your rationale is on what you might pasteurise, what you wouldn't, you know, what, what, what's your, your thinking? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah, great question. The, the pasteurisation step, I think, is summed up pretty well. Like, so Jane Squire is across the road from us in Camperdown then, and we quite often, well, before COVID, I guess, would go like uh, we'd go over there and, and they've got a great tasting room up there with all these, you know, ornate pictures of Chuck Hahn across all the walls and their beautiful copper kettle. And all the beers on tap are the unpasteurised versions of all the beers that they make there. So we're quite lucky in, in that brewery. They make the the, the, the Spades Porter. Um, they make all the Panhead beers in Australia there. They make some of the, um, the new Belgian beers there, but they're all unpasteurised. And, you know, these are some of the, the, the great international produced beers as they should be tasted. And all that happens is when you pasteurise these beers is that you basically treat them like they were sitting in um, the Australian um, sun for a week in a minute, basically. Um, and all it does is it just bakes the living daylights out of the hops and the yeast, if there's any left, and it just leaves you with, with you know, a shriveled up version of, of what, you know, we work our asses off um, to, to create and, and, and create fresh. Um, yeah, whoever commented UHT, milk versus real milk, that's 100% it. So the, the, the product is, you know, it's not, it's not what, it, what it should taste like. We, we had our beers, um, we had some samples of our beers uh, pasteurised at, as, at a um, contract facility that only would... Um, pasteurize any beers that they released and it was at that moment where we said we can't brew these beers on contract anyway like at this place it was just you know things like the pilsner if there was any yeast uh left in that it just comes out on the palate as like you know if you've ever cleaned a hot hot rinsed a, a keg with a bit of yeast sediment in the bottom of it you know that smell um and that's that's what the beers will taste like um, the hops, you know, even I've had a, a, uh, I had some of these low vis cans were sitting out getting, um, the exhaust from the chiller blown onto them, um, over the weekend. Cause there was a couple of ones that had a few, um, uh, labeling issues and seaming issues. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's a different beer than what, that what everyone else would be drinking. So if you can avoid pasteurization, I think you should um, in, in, in the big picture. Um, but there's sometimes that uh, if you're distributing beers far and wide and, um, you know, you, you know, you're dealing with volumes 
a hundred times bigger than ours, a pasteurization step is pretty much a, a given that you need to do it. Um, you know, those, those beers that, you know, you, we've all been into a, a bottle shop somewhere remotely and, and there's a, a beer that's, you know, has a use by date a month ago, which meant that it was packaged, you know, 12 or 18 months ago and it still doesn't taste too bad. Um, but uh, that's the only times that you would ever pasteurize beers. Beers, beers like beers at, at, um, at our volume and for breweries at our volume, um, I don't I don't think there's ever a need for, for pasteurization if you can avoid it. Well, yeah. I think that we would, like, I've thought about pasteurization for the S-word drinks that we make um, because I know that they sit hot um, in warehouses um, because they, they do have a, a lot of legs and they go um, fairly far and wide. Um, but because they ferment so dry and they're, you know, they're centrifuged and then carbon filtered. There's not not much else that can be, uh, uh, yeah, the uh, that can can be done to uh, yeah, too much damage that can be done up to that point. And that's where we'll leave our quick chat with Sean and Ryan. In fact, not a quick chat; it was quite a long one. Thanks again to the guys for their generosity with the time and uh, their big efforts to get us the very freshest beers. Uh, they were amazing to taste. Uh, if you've listened this far into the podcast, please make sure you're following us on the socials and follow Wayward on the socials. And we really hope that you'll rate and review the podcast so that more people can find out about it. And of course, that you'll join us in the future, both live in the online Zoom room uh, and for future podcasts. Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you again soon.